Hi there. This is Pastor Kenny Johnson. I'm the family pastor at Simonton Community Church. And if you're listening to this, this is an opportunity for you to kind of get something while we are not having Bible studies on campus right now because of the coronavirus. Obviously, we hope that that is not going to be a long-term thing, but we really don't know exactly how long it'll take. So just wanted to give you an opportunity to get to hear something during the week that can help you out and in some way a little bit take the place of those studies we do on campus. Now, uh, I say Bible study, but this is uh, this study that we're going to do is not strictly going to be a Bible study, although we'll certainly be looking at the Bible quite a bit, uh, and especially this first session today. But something that I wanted to do for quite a while is to do a study uh, for people on the history of Christianity. One of the things that I think we do probably don't do the best job in is explaining to people how we got from the end of the New Testament, what we read there, to where we are today. And I know for uh, for most of us, we had little points of this in history class early on, uh, the Roman Empire uh, becoming Christian and how that affected things, the Protestant Reformation, uh, the battles between the Catholic Church and the uh, the Church of England, a big point, uh, even the... Um, the conquering of the Holy Land uh, during the Crusades, or the attempted conquering, that is. So we get bits and pieces, we get little points, but it, it's kind of hard to make it realistic for us to understand how we got from that ending to where we are today. So we, I want to give you an opportunity to get to hear some of that. Uh, this won't be an extensive, you know, every little detail study, but I do want to give you a some very broad uh, brushstrokes and just give you a better understanding. So even when we start our classes back on campus, I want to continue this and, uh, and give you the opportunity to hear this if you're interested in it. I want to keep these sessions to about a half an hour. So I've actually got my timer here. I'm going to start that now. So maybe go a couple of minutes over with the, the beginning, but... We're going to stay within 30 minutes, uh, each one of these. So I want to jump right into this. So we're going to be using it as a primary source, a book called The Story of Christianity. It's in two volumes and written by Justo L. Gonzalez, an excellent resource. So many of the things that you're going to hear in this study, even some of the quotations in it, are, are going to come from those uh, those two books. So I just want to give him credit for that. So I thought today would be a great day to kind of Start with the, asking the question, where, where are we now? Where did we leave off at the end of the New Testament? So there's some things we need to realize about that. First, the Gospels and the Book of Acts from the, kind of form the historical account of the early church in the New Testament. So those are our real historical references. We do get some of that in Paul's writings, obviously, his letters, uh, some in Revelation, but you don't get a whole lot. There's just little bits and pieces and things we can try to kind of put together, but really the bulk of it's there. So so where does that leave us? You, you go through the Gospels and you get into Acts. Where does that leave us? So the book of Acts, uh, it records the progression of the gospel message from the Eastern world to the Western world. And we see that uh, as it goes through. It, it begins with the advent of the Holy Spirit coming in there in the, on the day of Pentecost and then the proclamation of the gospel to the Jews and really everybody there that was there on the day of Pentecost, but primarily starting there in a, a Jewish uh, frame of reference. 
that's found at the beginning of the book, and that section largely focuses on Peter. But then there's a change as the book progresses to the spread of the gospel among the Gentiles, and then the focus shifts to Paul. So at the end of Acts, what do we find? We find Paul in Rome. He's under house arrest, but he's preaching the gospel there, but that's it. There's really no conclusion. There's nothing further to tell us what happens to him. Uh, there's obviously a lot of a lot of information out there about what people think, and we're going to look at that. So what happened to these apostles? What happened to these followers of Jesus Christ? Well, really, the New Testament doesn't give us an indication of their, their careers, really. We don't hear about very many of them. And it's not surprising in a way, because if you read the Gospels even, of that 12, you really you get a lot about Peter. You get a lot about John. You know, you get some of those kind of those ones that were the closest to Jesus. Judas, obviously, is his betrayer. But but several of them, you, you, you hear their names, and, and they may be referenced a little bit, but you just don't really get a whole lot of details about what they did. And we know that they were active in ministry. They were sent out by Jesus. He sent them out at one point uh, in pairs to go out and, and deliver the gospel. And they saw works of God when they went out. And so they were involved. And we have every reason to believe that they would have been involved in the spread of the gospel and, and the setup of the early church. But we just don't get those details. So there's really just not a lot of information, even in the scripture about them. Uh, Acts tell us, tells us about the death of James. So that's the brother of John. We do hear about his martyrdom. Uh, Peter and Paul, they're kind of the two main guys in the, in the book of Acts. They're left in limbo. Uh, after the first part of the book, uh, when when the shift is fully made from Peter to Paul, we, we really don't hear about Peter again. Uh, and, and then, as, as said earlier, Paul is left kind of in chains in, in Rome and no conclusion to his story. Uh, so with little in the text of the New Testament to help us, we've got to turn to early church historians and then even traditions that have come down the pike. And this is where we get a lot of the information that, that people know. Things that we hear in, in church and other places about what happened to some of these key key apostles and, and even some of the ones that aren't mentioned as much. Uh, we get that from some of the early church historians, and, and those can actually be pretty good references. Uh, we They're closer to the original time, and things hadn't kind of shifted a lot to, to some of these more far-fetched stories. But... Uh, as time goes on, we get more stories. We get even more of these guys referenced, but they're just not as reliable. So some of these sources are more credible than others. So we just want to look at some of those today, kind of what's out there and what you, you can read about. And hopefully from that, we can get an idea of at least what, what we can take as being very likely. And, and what we can take as probably not being so likely embellished at the very least and some probably completely fabricated. So let's start with Peter. Uh, the early church historians, those first and second century writers, tell us about Peter. And they do have some very credible information. These are sources that we would say, you know, we can probably rely a lot on what they say. Uh, we can probably be pretty secure in understanding that they were writing very close to the time that Peter was living not long after he was gone, and there wasn't as much of a, of a reason or necessity to kind of add to these stories. So we can probably take some of this a little bit uh, more like being more likely. And, and they tell us that Peter made his way to Rome. So he ended up in Rome, and he was martyred under the persecu persecution of Nero. You probably heard about Peter's death, if you know anything about that. Uh, tradition was he was crucified. 
And I've always was, when I grew up in churches, I heard that he was crucified upside down and just took that as being absolutely correct. And, you know, it could likely have been. It's one of the versions that we have is that he was crucified upside down. And, uh, and, and so there's, you know, there's a likelihood that that did happen, but it's not in all the sources. So that might not be as uh, accurate, but the fact that he was persecuted, uh, he was martyred under the persecution of Nero. As a Jewish person, he would not have been afforded probably the, the cleanest death, the quickest death. So crucifixion would have been likely for him. And so that's, uh, we can probably take that as being pretty close to accurate. Uh, and so as of all the traditions that we're going to talk about today, these about Peter are probably the most trustworthy. And we can, we can take them as, as very likely that Peter did end up in Rome that he was martyred there uh, during the persecution of Nero. And crucifixion is uh, very, very likely upside down, you know, likely maybe not as strong, but it, it goes along with some early sources. So, uh, And multiple credible church historians, again, they agree with one another. And, and that's what you're looking for with these, these historical set uh, writers. You want to get multiple ones, and you want to get them agreeing and all saying the same thing. So if you've got something that's close to the original life of that person, it's from multiple sources, different people that didn't necessarily talk and, and you know, trade stories, and, and they're all saying the same stuff, you know, the oral tradition, the oral, the or, these stories passed down orally, uh, getting to, to different places and all being about the same, that makes a strong point that this is likely. So for Peter, we, we probably know some, some good information about what happened to him. And that brings us to Paul. And, you know, we think you, you probably heard a lot about Paul. And there's some problems with some of the things that we've heard about Paul. Uh, really, we don't know a lot of the stuff that we think we know. So the ancient writers agree Paul died in Rome. Uh, he was probably beheaded at the time of Nero. Now, why was he not crucified? Well, you remember, Paul was a Roman citizen. And even though he was half Jewish, uh, he maintained that Roman citizenship. He used that to get to Rome when he was, uh, when he was imprisoned and uh, tried to be tried there. And so if he was martyred, if he was killed as a Roman citizen, he would have been given the, the easier death. So not the crucifixion, uh, probably uh, beheading. And, you know, neither, neither is a great option, but if you want to pick one, then you, you want to go with the one that's quicker and not as painful. Uh, there's some evidence in the Bible that after the book of Acts, where we see Paul under house arrest, that he actually was set free. And the reason that we think this is if you read the books of Titus and 1st and 2nd Timothy, Paul references the churches on the Isle of Crete. And we don't have anything from his missionary journeys that tell us that he went to these places. But it sounds very much like he did go there. So unless there was just for some reason some very, you know, important information left out during those three missionary journeys before, which is not likely at all, then there has to have been a time he visited there. So uh, taking the timeline of the, of the New Testament as being literal and complete, you would have to assume then that he did this after the end of the book, which means that he was set free. He went on a further missionary journey, at least a fourth, and at some point was then jailed again, brought back to Rome, and, and ultimately executed. 
So, you know, there's not a ton of historical evidence for this. It's not in the biblical text other than, you know, assumptions we can make. But, again, it's, it seems like this is a strong possibility. Not everybody agrees with that, but I think it's a strong poss- possibility about a f- fourth missionary journey. Now, where all that, where he went, we don't know. Uh, some traditions say Paul conducted even more journeys than a fourth, that there was even a fifth or more. And that he traveled to Spain. That's one that a lot of people think, that Paul did make his way to Spain. Again, we don't have evidence for that. We do have tradition. We do have things that have been passed down, but not not hard proof. So was there another missionary journey of Paul? I think it's likely. But were there multiple ones after that? We don't know. Did he make it to Spain? We don't know. So ultimately, we have to conclude this. Nothing is known for certain between the end of Acts And Paul's ultimate death under Nero. We just don't know. So, again, you're you're taking traditions that probably were closer to his time, but just not as strong as what we read and know about Peter, uh, about Paul there. So that takes us then to John. And uh, we do know from the New Testament writings some of what John did. John wrote a lot. He, uh, at at minimum, wrote the gospel and then three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It was taken uh, by the early church that John wrote the book of Revelation. And obviously, when you read Revelation, it says very clearly that John, the person that wrote it, his name was John. And But if you do some study of the book of Revelation, you'll find that there's less agreement about that being actually the apostle John. So that puts into question some things. So let's look at this a little more. Uh, some problems with uh, knowing what happened to John. Uh, the name John appears frequently in early records, and that complicates matters. That was a common name, obviously, but then there were some key uh, early leaders that shared that name, and they didn't necessarily go back and clarify who that was. So even in the Bible, where we see uh, John identified, uh, we don't know for sure. And, it, and it's actually interesting. John, in his writings, really doesn't name himself. It's one of the reasons that uh, people think that it's it's questionable about him writing Revelation because in his other writings he just he didn't rename himself, uh, but then in Revelation he does. So why the change? Again, don't know for sure, but could be that he that this was a different John. So uh, one ancient tradition says John was killed in a pot of boiling oil. Ah, man, I don't know which would be. I think that'd be bad too. I I wouldn't want to be in a pot of boiling oil. Uh, I hope John didn't go down like that, but there's some tradition that says that, and that's out there. Uh, The book of Revelation, again, I referenced that just a moment ago, has John in exile on the island of Patmos. And so we know that he's there uh, off the coast of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And on that isle of Patmos, there's a man named John who sees this vision is written. Uh, Jesus gives to him to send to the churches there. And so, uh, it, again, from, from early days, early on, it was assumed that this was the Apostle John. Why would there be any question about that? Well, we have a very, a, a very trustworthy tradition that states that John was a teacher at Ephesus, uh, where he died around A.D. 100. So Ephesus would have been in that area. And uh, is this the same John that's the uh, Apostle. Well, it seems likely there are at least two influential people with the name John at this time. And then what happened as the, these stories were passed down, even written down, 
uh, as the biblical material was passed down, the, the later traditions just confused them. They didn't know that there was a difference, and obviously the Apostle John is going to be prominent. And so he, these these prominent Johns that are written about and have, have books in the Bible, that's got to be the Apostle. But uh, again, there's some evidence that's not necessarily in, for all of that. So there's a 2nd century Christian writer, uh, Papias of Hierapolis, who did affirm that there were two Johns. He specifically mentioned there were two. One was the apostle, and another was the elder at Ephesus. And he, this writer said that one, the elder at Ephesus, is the one who got the book, the visions of Patmos that we uh, take as the book, uh, that were written in the book of Revelation. So we have an ancient source, uh, second century, closer, you know, to the original, uh, pretty trustworthy that says that this was the case. So, again, it's, there's every chance that the writer of the book of Revelation is not John the Apostle. Uh, it's not a problem. It's God's word. It's inspired. It doesn't matter who wrote it. But uh, just some of the assumptions and things we've been taught, maybe not as strong as, as what some have said. So... Uh, so there's clear evidence there that there was a Christian leader named John in, in the city of Ephesus. And again, very likely that we have an Apostle John, the writer of the, of the Gospel of John in three letters. Uh, then we have another John, very influential as well, an elder in Ephesus, a very uh, key individual that ended up on the Isle of Patmos and is the writer of the book of Revelation. So... Just some confusion. Again, it makes it hard to understand and know what, what happened to these guys. So that that's bad enough. There, there's not a lot that we would like to know, you know, that's in the New Testament. There's so many things. I, one of the ones for me is just what was the early life of Jesus like, his childhood? I'd really like to know that. I'd like to know his interactions with Joseph. I'd like to know how long Joseph was alive. It seems like during the ministry of Jesus, Joseph is not there. He's never spoken about, so we assume he, he passed on. But what happened under the, with those conditions? I, I would love to know all that, but we don't know. And we'll never know, I guess, this side of eternity. Maybe we'll know there, but uh, those questions are just not answered for us. And some a lot of the reason for that is the purpose of those books are not to answer those questions. Uh, and that's the case with the even what happened to Peter and Paul. The book of Acts is about the spread of the gospel, the advent of the Holy Spirit going into all the world, and how it moved from the eastern world to the western world. It's not about the lives of these men. So we'd like to know more. But we take these traditions, and, you know, if you've got material that's within the first century, second century, after these things are written, you, you think that's pretty reliable, but here there's a big problem that came up. Late in the second century, this big problem for historians developed, and that is that churches in very important uh, cities began claiming apostolic origins. They wanted their church to be able to go back and say, we were founded by one of these apostles, and if not an apostle, then at least a very key leader that you find in the New Testament, somebody that you could point to and, and really be able to say, hey, this gives us a, a little bit step up. We're, we're, we're going up a little bit. And, and they really wanted to do that, so they began, began to fabricate these stories. 
what happened at the church at Alexandria? They had a rivalry with the churches at Rome and Antioch. Obviously, Rome and Antioch, you had some very, you know, key figures that came through there. So they needed that influential Christian leader to keep up. So they decided that Mark founded the church. So old Mark that we read about in, uh, in the New Testament, he definitely he wasn't an apostle, but he was definitely around during Jesus' time, and he was uh, around there, wrote a, a, you know, a gospel about what he knew and and what he got probably from Peter, and later on goes goes with Paul on a missionary journey. He doesn't end up staying with Paul, but later on Paul talks about how he had really become a help to him. So Mark is definitely a very key person in the New Testament. And uh, this church decided, well, why not, you know, Mark's not associated with anybody else. Why not us? So they went along and went with him. And Constantinople, that became the capital city of the Roman Empire. They needed one as well. They were a big deal. You know, they once, uh, once that happened, that they became the capital. They had to have one. So they went along with Philip. They thought Philip would be, make a good one for them. So, you know, these, these traditions, they get started and passed down. And, and boy, those areas, it's hard to, to go back and say, hey, you need, to, you need to disassociate yourself with that. They don't want to do that. There's other ones, too. There's other dubious traditions. Uh, Christians in Spain have claimed they were missionized not only by Paul, but Peter and James, too. I mean, they got all three of them in there. And uh, the, the tradition about James, they say that, that James, uh, he came in and he really wanted to preach the gospel in Spain, but he was discouraged. It didn't go as well as what he wanted. So he went back to Jerusalem and, and got beheaded by Herod there. He probably should have stayed in Spain, but... His disciples, he, they knew how much he loved Spain. They actually took his remains back to Spain, and they were they were buried there. And that you can find them to this day. You can go to where they're buried. Man, there's very it's highly unlikely James ever went to Spain. Highly, he probably never even thought about Spain in his life. But yet, they they kind of took all three. They got Paul, Peter, and James, and uh, said that they have some some big influence on on the founding of Christianity there in, in Spain. Uh, there's another tradition that that Thomas, you know, the uh, Apostle Thomas, you read about, you know him best from being doubting Thomas, but uh, that he went to India. And, he, man, you, you again, you just think, oh, that sounds so far-fetched. Thomas is in India now. But actually, this one has a little bit more validity. Not not great, not nothing like the stuff we know about Peter, but there's a little bit more because we do know that the spread of the gospel happened very early uh, in India. There's some very long roots, uh, time-wise, that go back to the Christianity being spread in India. And, boy, I don't have time to get into them now, but there's some, some stories about Thomas in India and what happened with him there. You can go back and, and if you are interested, you can easily find them. Uh, they're very embellished, it seems like. So could Thomas have been in India? Yes, it's possible. There's, you know, in India, there's a tradition that he came there. Again, you find those with a lot of these places. But we do know that, it, that Christianity spread early on in India so that it could have been possible in his lifetime that somebody was there proclaiming the gospel. Why not Thomas? Okay. But some of these other stories about him and his visit there and, and miracles that happened and all this, you know, just it seems to be embellished. 
even it, you know, I'm sure that if Thomas actually went to India, that there probably were some works of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit. But you know, it's just not reliable information. It comes later, much later sources. So again, not strong. Put it just a tick above some of this other stuff, but not much uh, about Thomas being in India. So kind of to summarize things, you know, one of the things about this, there's, it's common for people to want to associate themselves with an important historical figure. I can't tell you how many people I know that say that, you know, they were related to Pocahontas or Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or, you know, King Edward or whatever. I mean, they somehow can point back to that, and it's probably just tradition. Somebody in their family decided it, or they heard it from someone, and it gets passed down. It's not verified at all. Could it be true? You know, anything's possible, but they don't want to be digging too deep <laughs> because, you know, likelihood is probably not true. Uh, it's uh, interesting, the uh, Spanish conquistador de Soto he came up through Florida, kind of really went a long ways up through on the eastern seaboard, up through North Carolina and back down again. But it's interesting. There's a couple of different routes that are said to have been the route that he took. And kind of the old traditional route was the one that a lot of these towns, these parks, these places that DeSoto Caverns and DeSoto Park and this and that, they took it from this old route. Well, some, some historians came back along later on and, and kind of realized that route wasn't exactly accurate. They shifted it over. And some of these places all of a sudden got cut out. Well, do you think they went and said, oh, you know, you're right about that. We're going to change the name. No, they didn't say that. They fought to the nail to go against what, his, what archaeology and history proved was right just so that they could maintain that association with this guy. Uh, I can remember, too, when we were up just a few years ago, we went to Jamonville up in Pennsylvania. And we were, I forget even what it was, we were driving along, and I saw some place that said that uh, George Washington had slept there or something. Uh, George Washington had been there. Was he ever there? He could have been. I don't know. But I can guarantee you this, if anybody came along and said, hey, we proved that he didn't sleep here, I don't think that sign would get moved. I think they would have just said, you know, I don't believe you. And we're going to keep that. So, you know, we see that today as well. People want to be associated with someone that uh, they can look back on as being a big deal. So it muddies the waters. It makes it hard. Here's what we need to remember about this. It's certain that some of the apostles, and, you know, we know this from the scripture, Peter, John, and Paul, they traveled proclaiming the gospel. And they set up and supervised churches. We know that. It's, it's in the Bible there's no question about it. We can follow those routes that they took. We can see the places they went. And those places want to associate themselves with them, no problem at all. We know they're true. That's there. <clears throat> some of the other ones, you know, we don't have as much proof on, but, but we definitely see some of that in the Scripture. Uh, most traditions involving apostolic travels are from a later period and are highly suspect. So the things that you read that are... Later on, you know, definitely past the second century uh, from the time that these people lived, uh, you're, you're going to have to really take it with a grain of salt. There's a lot of stories I read I want to believe, but they're not all true. And I don't know which ones are. They're interesting. There's nothing wrong with reading them. But you just have to remember that it's not scripture. It's not inspired. And it doesn't really matter anyway. It's just out of interest to know this stuff. I'd like to know. 
But don't take it to the bank and don't go tell anybody this is what happened. You can say, I think this might have happened, or this is what I believe, or some historians say, that's fine. But let's just be careful about passing on this, this fraudulent information. Uh, that, that, that's what gets us into trouble, and it causes problems later on for other people. So I, I just I really caution you, be careful about it. Again, nothing wrong with listening, nothing wrong with reading, thinking about it, trying to come up with theories, no problem with that at all. But just make sure that that's what it is and not and not fact. Uh, the key truth, though, that I want you to take away from this is, I think, very important. Most of the missionary work was not carried out by the apostles. They couldn't do it by themselves. You're talking about 12 guys minus Judas, but then put in, bring in Paul, that most of them probably didn't even leave. They probably stayed right around that area. We know some of them did, but they couldn't spread the gospel to the entire world. They couldn't turn the world upside down by themselves. They're key. They're important. They did things that, you know, nobody else could have done. Paul, for all his missionary work, the thing that has stood the test of time with him is those letters he wrote. He probably didn't even think a lot about those letters when he wrote them, that they would still be around today. But God used that. He inspired him to write them. And we have them today. They're scripture, and they guide us. So, you know, we, we, we see these guys, and they, and they are important, but they didn't do the work. Who, who did it? It was carried out by the nameless Christians who spread out into the world because of persecution, maybe because of their occupation, their job, or a missionary calling that they felt. And it's the same way, that's the same way it is today. There are some great Christian leaders out there that write important books. They preach services that are so inspirational. Some of them are pastors of very large churches, and they really reach a lot of people. But they're not the main thing that's driving the church today and, the, and Christianity today. It's, it's everyday people that are followers of Jesus Christ that go out into the places that they just go every day and the, to their families where they work, where they do business, all of that. They go out and they live a Christian life. And that's the way it is for most of you that are listening to this. You're part of that. We're all part of that. We're part of that group of nameless people. That we're not, nobody's going to write a book about me. Probably nobody's going to write a book about you. But when it comes right down to it, that's what has spread the gospel in this world, and that's what has to keep doing it. So let's be inspired by the fact that it wasn't necessary to have that information in the Bible for the gospel to be spread. It wasn't as important to have more stories about these prominent people because what it was all about is the gospel going to all the world. And it was happening, yes, because of some key people, but more importantly, because of those nameless Christians who went out there and they risked their lives. They took the story of, of God and his love for people, and they spread it to a lost and dying world, and the world has never been the same since. And the same is true for us today. So I hope this has been an interest to you. I hope that you can take this and enjoy it today. Uh, next week, I'm going to have another session, and we'll really start moving through kind of the information that we know very quickly and then start to move through these key leaders that I mentioned a little bit about today. Some of these key early Christian leaders, some of the theological struggles that happened early on are so, so important. 
and how we got, you know, to the theology we had today, have today and how it could have been very different if it had gone a different way. And for some of these, it got very close to going a different way. So I hope you'll enjoy this. I think you will. And thank you for listening. Uh, I hope this can be a help to you, especially when we're not able to meet right now. God bless. Uh, stay careful out there, but you don't have to be afraid because we know the love of God will take care of us. And uh, we'll be talking to you next week.